Hello, everyone, and welcome to Run402, the podcast, a show where we interview local runners in Nebraska and make running relatable. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. This week's episode was requested by a few people. I talked to registered dietitian Nikki Kubiak. In this episode, we talk about all things food, <laughs> and it is glorious. Uh, during this episode, I kind of came back from a run right at after. So I sound a little a little brain dead because I am, but Nikki saved the show. She is excellent. She is smart. And I hope after listening to this episode, you reach out to her and get even more information from her because she is so smart. All right. I hope you're hungry and enjoy. I'm here with Nikki Kubiak. She's a registered dietitian and she does consulting for runners. How cool is that? Welcome, Nikki. Thank you, Sarah. It is great to be here. Yeah, I know a lot of people have been requesting me to talk to you and uh, for the podcast just because there's so much that goes into like what you eat as a runner. That is true. And that is what led me into my profession. And what better time than the new year to talk about nutrition? Right. Spring training. I know I'm training for a marathon right now. Yes, I, I have a lot of new clients just kicking off the year. This is, of course, like the busiest time. And I'm getting all kinds of race plans in um, on the calendar for people and starting to look at what everyone's got going on this year. So it's really exciting. This is a great time of year. Yeah. So when people consult with you, what could they expect to get from this experience? That's a good question because I think a lot of times when people are considering working with a dietitian, they don't really know how to, what that will look like or if it'll be kind of tangible. Um, so I kind of pride myself on the fact that just through my work experience, um, I've been doing nutrition counseling for about 20 years. I have really learned how to make nutrition counseling and nutrition goal setting very tangible for people. So all of my programs run for 12 weeks or three months. And I do that because I have learned that that gives us adequate time to really take our time, get goals in place, and then also troubleshoot some of life's obstacles that will come up that make healthy eating difficult or kind of throw you off your routines. And then from that three-month program, my services just vary based on the number of um, contacts or sessions. So people can choose what program would be the best fit for them. And then every program kicks off with a full nutrition assessment. So I get to know my clients very well, Sarah. Um, I dig into their life, figure out what their schedule looks like, what times they're eating, what kinds of food they're eating. And then I lay out um, just a simple plan that they can use that's personal for them as a guide. And then if they're interested, they can log on my fitness pal and we can use their logs to just keep building on the balance of their diet. And then through the contacts, we just keep setting new goals every time we talk. So it's, it's lots of fun. I love what I do. That's really cool. Is there also a way, like if my fitness pal is a little triggering for you, is there a way on the flip side to kind of log? Yes. And I always ask my clients in the first session, if they're comfortable to do that, if not, um, I have, tricks and techniques and strategies that still are very effective to just help people wherever they're at to reach their goals. So yes, we can definitely tailor um, the counseling to any, any preferences. 
That's really cool. So what are a lot of like, or what are some of the recurring things you see in runners that they're trying to work on? Hmm. What are some of the recurring things? So I, I would say recently a lot of runners are coming to me because they're feeling a little bit tired. Um, they're not feeling like they're able to, their stamina isn't as good. Um, and what I'm finding is with the current diet trends, kind of following the low carb trend, and then we went through keto, that even some of the ultra marathoners I've worked with are actually kind of eating more of a high fat, low carb diet. And so we'll reshape that. You know, we still keep fat in the picture because it's very important to keep that in there. For the record, I'm just going to say this now, Protein, carbs, and fat are a team. And those three macronutrients need to work together. And, and when you let them work as a team, your body will perform so much better. So we don't eliminate, but we balance. Um, but once we get the macronutrients balanced out and get the carbs pushed back in, they see better energy, better alertness during the day, better focus. And then their run performances improve. They recover faster. They kind of feel like a new person. It's very rewarding. Do you focus on hydration at all too? Oh yes, definitely. You know, it depends on the person and the individual. Some people are just very regimented with their hydration. Some people are not. So we'll set up a hydration schedule and talk through options for what they can drink. Um, for race day, absolutely. Um, if I do race planning, I do specific race planning. So I'll look up a client's race, lay out the aid stations, what they're carrying, what they'll, you know, when they'll do exchanges and things like that. Um, so we'll, we'll systemize all of that. So that's all part of the big picture. That's really cool. How personal you can make it. Oh yes. I love it. And I have not, I actually was just um, talking to a group of students today and I told them I have never done the same meal plan or been able to use the same meal plan for anybody else. Everybody's plan has always been unique in some specific way. And I feel like that's better because, I mean, we all know diets don't work and dieting and training for races don't work. Yeah. And, you know, everybody is different. Um, everybody has different preferences, tolerances. There are definitely more sensitivities and allergies out there now than there ever were or even 20 years ago. And so you do have to look at the individual. You have to look at their goals, their schedule and life demands, and then their food preferences. So it's... It's kind of like nutrition by design. For sure. Do you help with like, do you like take an account if they're like a mom or if they're, you know, cause I feel like when you're a mom and you're prepping for kids too, you don't want to make like, oh, this is mommy and daddy's meal and this is kids meal. Yes. I do not believe in short order cooking. Um, so depending on my client's situation we will definitely address family feeding practices i actually my first job out of college was for the um government food program called WIC for women infants and children and i worked there for four years and learned a ton about infant nutrition toddler nutrition um, just nutrition through like childhood development and that has really helped me raise my own kids to be very good eaters. And then just to be able to bring that into my counseling practice to help other families do the same. So that was great experience for me. Yeah. It kind of helps when you're a mom and you've like been through it, you know, it does, it does. And again, you know, every, even for people who don't have kids, there's still 
obstacles and struggles. So no matter what, you know, we can, we can work with whatever the client brings to the table as far as um, obstacles to their nutrition goals. Uh, where does alcohol fall into like a training plan? Um, so with anything like alcohol, chocolate, cookies, you know, you name it, there, there is space for all of those types of foods. Um, I am a believer that there is no perfect diet. I will never hold to that. I will never push my clients towards perfection. And I believe that a diet that doesn't have chocolate chip cookies is just not even possible. It's got to have it. So perfect diet for me has chocolate chip cookies in it. Um, and so with alcohol, those types of things, what I look for when I'm working with a client is that those types of foods aren't pushing out the foods that they need to reach their goals. So as long as they're making it fit and they're achieving their goals, it's not a problem. And in our emails, you kind of talked about how when you um, consult with people, it's all about adding in and not necessarily taking out. Yes. Thank you for bringing that up. So there's been a little bit of a theme lately, and I don't know if it's coming again, the, the, the diet trends really affect conversations and affect people's viewpoints on how they think about food and how they feel about food. And interestingly, over the last maybe six months to a year, I just feel like people are so focused on on just cutting out and eliminating and restricting. And I think um, intermittent fasting, I've had so many questions about intermittent fasting over the last three weeks. So they must have done some like Christmas, holiday, New Year marketing campaign because it, it is the forefront of people's minds. And, you know, people want to know my thoughts on it. And when it, when it comes down to it, um, you know, intermittent fasting is just another way to it's kind of a psychological trick to just reduce the amount of times that you eat which then again is going to reduce calorie intake which then will reduce body weight so it's just another strategy there is some research behind it showing that it does improve blood glucose levels um so for individuals who have diabetes there are some times where inter intermittent fasting can be well utilized but for athletes, intermittent fasting is very challenging because it doesn't really allow for hard training. So it can be hard to time your meals already around your runs. But now if you're trying to maintain this intermittent fasting schedule, it's even more challenging. So when, I, when I'm talking to people now, I'm trying to switch their mindset to adding in because I just recently, I was doing some research and came across a survey from the CDC from 2019 basically outlined vegetable and fruit intake in the United States. And one out of 10 people right now are getting the recommended amount of fruits and vegetables per day, which is three to five cups, one out of 10. And we're so focused on what can I take out of my diet? What can I take out when clearly we need to add those vegetables in? So I'm, I'm really pushing that. Um, and a lot of times when you add the vegetables in, that will push out some of those other foods that aren't as healthy or maybe are more calorie dense that are getting in the way of your weight goals or your run performance or whatever it might be. And so your that substitution can be really, really effective. Um, also with adding in, one thing I always talk to people about is eating breakfast every single day. 
Um, a lot of people don't eat breakfast or they wake up really early, do an early morning run, get the kids going, get to school, drop them off and don't eat breakfast till nine or 10 a.m. when they were up at four or 5 a.m. to get that run in. And that's a really long time to go without eating. And when people don't eat breakfast in the morning, it catches up with you at night. So I see more night snacking, um, a lot of sugar cravings at night. People feel like they can't control that. And that's all because they're missing breakfast. When breakfast gets put into place, they have more appetite control during the day, better energy, better focus. And when we have better appetite control, guess what we do? We make smarter food choices. So we're more likely to choose vegetables over French fries. And then that also helps to just keep adding in the good nutrition. Um, one other thing that I really have been emphasizing lately, just because of the whole, again, kind of fallout from the keto diet and low carb diet is we still don't choose the best carbohydrates. Um, we really lump all carbs as junk food, whatever. And so I really push people back to quality carbohydrates. I call carbohydrates, well, carbohydrates by scientific definition are fruits, vegetables, dairy products, and whole grains. Um, junk food to me, it's junk food. I don't call junk food carbs. I call it junk food. And so I think sometimes that those lines blur and they crisscross and we think that wheat bread and pasta are junk food and they're not. And we're really missing out on that quality base of nutrition. And um, so that's another concept you could work on adding in. So if you're doing white bread, replace it with whole wheat bread or whole grain bread. If you're doing sugary cereals, replace it with oatmeal. If you're doing um, white rice, choose brown rice and just make those substitutions. And what people will see, because I experienced it myself, is a better training base. Your runs are going to be better. You're gonna have more energy and concentration and focus during the day, better appetite control, all because of that quality of that carbohydrate. So those are the three things I really focus on adding in. So breakfast, um, eating a lot more vegetables, a lot more and then um, whole grains. So those are three kind of new year resolutions that you could focus on if you're not quite sure what to what to do with your nutrition goals for 2023 yet. Yeah, that's a great place to start. What do you think about fruit? I love fruit. Don't take my fruit from me. Yeah, so again, fruit is a, it's a natural carbohydrate. It is a natural sugar. The thing I think that um, confuses people with fruit is because it does have natural sugar Again, we kind of crisscross those blurry lines and we think it's not healthy for us. Um, one thing I think that people may overlook is that the body does actually need sugar. We need it. Um, glucose is the simplest form of energy. It's what our body uses to function. The central nervous system needs about 130 grams of glucose per day to function. So the keto diet kept us well below that. And one of the common complaints with keto was can't think straight. I've got a foggy mind, but it's okay. Cause I'm seeing my weight loss. You know, people really compromised a lot with the keto diet to just get into it. Um, so with fruit, the recommendation is two to four servings per day. So if you aren't quite sure how it fits in, at least aim for two, because you do get a lot of fiber a lot of water and hydration from it, and then a lot of antioxidants with all the different colors that fruit has. Yeah. Um, I was just reading a book and it talked about how important fiber is. 
Can you yes. elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so fiber, there's two types of fiber. There's um, what we call um, soluble. And then there's, oh gosh, <laughs> it's late at night. Um, there's the indigestible um, fibers. So there's like celery is an indigestible fiber. There's apple peels. That's another um, insoluble. That's the word I'm looking for, Sarah, insoluble fiber. <laughs> I might repeat that just a little bit here. So there's two types of fibers, soluble and insoluble. So the insoluble is your non-digestible. So that's going to be your tough, fibery vegetables. And then the soluble, the best way to explain it is um, the inside of an apple is soluble. The outside is insoluble. So an apple is a great source of fiber. And what this apple will do for you is that insoluble fiber will just keep things moving through your digestive tract. So things don't linger. There's no, the benefit of having a, a fiber rich diet is it does reduce your risk of cancer because if you're ingesting something that could be cancer causing, it's moving it through the system. It's not allowing it to linger. It's getting it out of there. Um, it also just keeps the gut healthy and happy. It feeds the good back bacteria to keep microbiome balance in place. Now the soluble fiber that is actually more beneficial for your cardiovascular system. And it is very good to lower cholesterol levels and to help just maintain that healthy system. So fiber is really important for women. We want about 25 grams a day for men. We want about 35 grams a day. And there was this commercial from, I think it was Benefiber or Metamucil, one of those where they say like, it's impossible to get 25 grams a day. And it's really not. If you have your two to three servings of fruit and you have three to five servings of vegetables a day and have a couple servings of whole grains, you can check that box. You're going to have that covered. That's yeah. I I'm struggling with words today too, Nikki. <laughs> I got in from my run and I'm just brain dead. Maybe I need some more complex carbs. <laughs> Seven o'clock on a Thursday. Yeah. We're pushing it. We're pushing it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, all right. Um, so let's talk about nutrition, like during a race. So some of those longer races, um, I don't necessarily eat during a half, but I know a lot of people that do a lot better if they eat during a half, but once you're getting to those higher and don't compare yourself to anyone, if you need to eat during a 5k, eat during a 5k, but what kinds of things do you tell your clients? Okay, so scientifically, what, what we want to happen is, is number one, the diet has to be there. The training diet has to be there. Um, and again, when I use the word diet, I'm talking, Sarah, about your individual meal patterns and routines. I'm not talking about restricting anything or eliminating food groups. It's what you need personally. So your diet needs to be there because we can supplement a race, but if you don't have that base, supplementing isn't going to get you much further. Um, so that's the most important thing. Um, breakfast is really important on race day, because if you don't have breakfast on race day, whether it's a 5k to an ultra marathon, um, you're selling yourself short. You're not going to have the, the ready reserve of energy that you could have to really push through that race. Um, my favorite breakfast is oatmeal. That is, I've eaten that since I was in high school and it has never failed me. So I do oatmeal with a couple tablespoons of chopped walnuts. Um, I might have a banana mixed in, or if I've got, if I'm traveling, I might pack a few raisins and throw that in there. And then I always have a little bit of coffee and that's, that's what I always do. Um, so then from breakfast, you know, leading up to the race start, you, 
if you're good, you don't really need to necessarily eat anything more. If you start to get a little hungry, you can sip on a little bit of sports drink. You can eat a small like Quaker chewy type granola bar. That's something that will digest quickly. Bananas will digest quickly. But the idea with sports nutrition centered around a race is just to hold off your hunger to make sure you're topped off and just make sure you're not hungry on the start line. That's because again, we should be well-fueled going in. It's not so much that we have to make it up that day. So then the race starts, let's say we're running, let's say we're running a half marathon. That'd be a perfect example because a lot of people don't supplement on a half marathon. So your body, if you're well-fueled coming into that race, will have enough energy or glycogen storage to see you through about 60 minutes of that race. So at the 60 minute mark, that's when glycogen stores start to deplete a little bit. And so you start to feel that fatigue come on. We all know that feeling. And as, so sometimes too, like my mood will go before my body goes. So I'll start to be like, why did I do this race today? What is going through my head? I could have been sleeping in. So when I start having these thoughts, I know my blood sugars are dropping and I need to start supplementing. And so at this point, at that 60 minute mark, your stomach, when you're running, can take about one gram of carb per minute. So it's not the best idea to shoot one of the gels and just suck it down quick as you can because it's 25 grams of carbs on average. And so that's 25 minutes of sugar that you just suck down. And people a lot of times say they can't do gels because they get stomach upset. And that's basically because it's just overwhelming to take it quickly. So I use gels. Um, I tend to put them in little five ounce flasks with some water, or I just sip them slow, just take slow pulls off of them and then make sure I'm taking water in between. And I usually make that gel last about 20 minutes, somewhere around there. And with a half marathon, it's, you can get by without supplementing, but you will do better if you supplement. So I'm telling everybody, I'm giving everybody an advantage here today. Um, but if you do supplement, you will perform better. So just start with something slow. You can sip on sports drink, but again, remember you only need about 15 grams every 15 minutes, which can be eight ounces of sports drink. It can be a cliff block. Those are about eight grams. They'll cover you for about eight to 10 minutes. I like some of the smaller twos that are about four grams of carbs. So I'll usually take one of those about every six to eight minutes if I'm not doing a gel. Um, sometimes I use sports strength, just depends on the race and the logistics, um, which I will happy to figure out for anybody who wants me to do that for them. And then the other key nutrient. So there's three nutrients that you need when you're racing and that's fluid, carbohydrate, and salt. That's all you need. That is all you need. You don't need anything else. Even on the ultra marathon races, um, that will carry you for the most part. There is a time and place to add a little bit of solid in, but your base, your base every hour should be carbohydrate, fluid, and salt. And it should be simpler carbs that digest quickly. Um, so the that salt piece is really important. And with salt, we need somewhere between about 500 to 1,000 milligrams per hour. So you can take that through sports drink. If, if you have a good sports drink that has about 300 milligrams of salt, you might be able to get enough through that per hour. Um, I usually take a salt capsule. Um, I'm not sponsored by this company, but I'm a big fan of salt stick capsules just because they're very, um, durable in the heat. They don't break down. They're 215 milligrams per tap per capsule. So it's, I can play with that. I can, I can, it adds up quickly, but it's also very adjustable based on the weather and the humidity and what my needs might be. Um, but there's a lot of other good salt supplements out there as well. So it's not just limited to that one, but the salt piece 
um, really keeps your focus. So if you feel like you've got the fluid in place, you've got the carbohydrate in place, and you're still just kind of out of it, you're missing that salt component. And once you get that added in, you should feel nice and focused and sharp and being able to hold really good run form all the way through the end of your race. So those are the main um, nutrients that I build into race plans and get everything laid out. So on that half, um, again, you just start a little bit of carbohydrate at the 60 minute mark and then just take it gradually until the end. I would probably take a salt stick um, capsule at 40 minutes of the half just to get a jump start, and then at 60 minutes and then every 20 minutes after until I finish. So hopefully that gives you guys a little structure and a little bit yeah. of an idea of how to lay that out. Um, do you think you could do a half on just like a sports drink alone or do you recommend other stuff too? Yeah, you sure could. Um, if you want to carry that or if the race provides it, um, to get that salt in an adequate amount to make a difference for you, you usually want a product like Gatorade Endurance or Tailwind, something that has a little more salt base than kind of the, the baseline sports drink products. But yes, you could definitely just do it with sports drink alone. And another question. So a lot of halves and fulls, they have a water stop every two miles. Do you recommend like bringing your own stuff to maybe get between that interval or does it um, matter on your pace? I'm not phrasing things well today. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Words. <laughs> no, that's totally fine. So um, as far as just the logistics of the race and the aid station spacing and all of that, um, it, it's really just case by case. So it depends on, like you said, Sarah, the person's pace. It depends on the heat and how much fluid people need. Because if it's a colder race, you can usually go a little bit longer without needing to hydrate um, quite as much. So it's just, it's definitely different for every person. But I always want people to feel comfortable with what they're doing. So if people don't like to carry food and, and hydration, then we have to use the aid stations and we'll work with that. Um, I have other clients that they just, they want that control. So they will wear the pack and they'll, they'll pack it all and carry it, which is awesome. Um, and we'll just, you know, base their nutrition plan then more specifically off of that. So of course, to kind of, I guess, answer your question a little more specifically, you can control it more when you carry your own, but if your goal is to cover ground as fast as you possibly can, I personally want you as light as possible. So it's going to be the case of we don't want to add 24 ounces of water to your fuel belt because that's just going to slow you down. So it would be the case of really timing the aid stations and making sure they're getting adequate um, amounts at, at those times. Yeah, I see some people, um, for sure, every trail race, they require you to carry hydration. But um, road races, you'll see people wear packs and stuff. And I've never been a pack girl. I just trust what's out there. I'll, sometimes I don't even train with what they have. I'm really bad about that. <laughs> I just, I'm like, okay. <laughs> well, and I don't know, you bring up a great point with that though. Um, you know, people are tolerant to different products based on the sugar base and some of the ingredients that are added in. Um, there is a certain product line that I just cannot use. It just does not agree with me. And so, and it's, it's a well sponsored product. So it is at a lot of races. So if it's at the race, I cannot use it. Um, 
but that's just me. Other people do great on this product. So it really is very individual and there's no wrong way to do it. It really just depends on what your preferences are, what your goals are. And I always ask my clients, I'm never going to tell them what to do. If they want my advice and opinions, I'll, I'll provide that and still say, now, what are you going to do with that? You know, do you want to do that? Or do you want to stick with your original plan and, and make the best of it that way? So again, I mean, it's, it is so individual and depending on the race for me, like when I do um, ultras, I'm wearing a pack. I am like, you know, training with it and gearing up for it. And I'm controlling as much as I can because it's going to be such a long day. Um, but on like a half marathon or marathon, I'm out there to get it done. I don't want to be out there all day. Um, so I carry really light. I try to grab what's off the aid stations. Um, maybe I'll carry a couple bags of chews and just to control some of it, but a lot of it I'll try to pull off the course. So no wrong way to do it. Absolutely not. It's just what you are comfortable with. Do you uh, carry your stuff in your spy belt or something like that, or flip belt, or do you have a handheld? I have it all. <laughs> have it all and just to, again I mean every race is so different this is why I love what I do um and I actually I, I never thought I would do a 50 mile I did my first 50 mile last year never thought I would get into that because I'm a I am a 1500 runner that was my event in college I, I am not a powerhouse runner. I'm a speed built machine. So, um, but I started doing race planning for all these ultra marathoners in Omaha. Thank you, you guys. I don't know if I should thank you or not, but um, as I started investigating these races, I became kind of fascinated with the courses and the terrain and just the whole aspect of it and decided I needed to try it myself. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's just, you know, kind of what you want it to be and what you need it to be. For sure. Um, we're running out of time. So is there any last thoughts you have? I have one closing thought to kind of go back to this idea that we talked about, about adding in instead of always eliminating. Um, so I, I have a rule. It's called Nikki's three, two rule. And it's very, very simple. Um, but if you follow this rule, it will structure out your meals and snacks for the day. And then at the end of the day, your macros will be super balanced between carbs, fat, and protein. And so my three, two rule is you eat three meals and two snacks. So we have breakfast, we have lunch, we have dinner, and then we have two snacks in between. And then within those meals, you have to have at least three food groups or more, because if you don't have at least three food groups, the balance of carbs, fat, and protein will not be there. So you have to add that third food group. And then for snacks, you have to have two food groups. Because again, to get the carbs and the protein and the fat balanced out, you have to do a little more food combining. So again, it's three food groups at every meal, two food groups with every snack, and then we have three meals and two snacks. And if you work on that and just adding in instead of taking away, you will find that 2023 is a much, much better year for you as far as your nutrition goals and your race performances. Yes. Thank you for all that great information. Um, where can someone reach you for consulting? Awesome question, Sarah. Thank you for that. Um, I have a website, which is my name. It is NikkiKubiak.com. And that's just simple. N-I-K-I-K-U-B-I-A-K.com. Or you can email me at nksportsnutrition at gmail.com. All right. Thanks so much for coming on, Nikki. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much, Sarah.
Where is that record? There it is. And that's a wrap. If you want to write to us, reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram at run402thepodcast. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you out there.